the Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Lunn and Rob Davis. Cool. And no one will ever know that there is other recordings out there. Nope. Salute. <laughs> uh, so today we have uh, a little bit more talk on peace talks, uh, as now we have both completely finished the book, uh, and a bit of discussion about some of the reviews that are out there for peace talks, uh, including uh, Daniel Green's uh, and a few others. Um, and then we're going to be covering uh, the exciting chapters 10 to 12 of Fool Moon. Um, really jam-packed with stuff for us to unpack. So uh, there's going to be a lot for us to get into uh, in the latter half of the show. Um, but first of all, Rob, you've now finished uh, Peace Talks. Yeah. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. I mean... <laughs> That's the summary of uh, that, I guess, without going into detail. Um, no, like, I really enjoyed it, but I think, like we were saying uh, prior to recording to this, um, it very much does feel like it's half a book, which, you know, it is. Yeah. But, like, I know it, it feels like so much happens which is great. And we get a lot of really nice character moments, which I absolutely adored. But it, it just feels like it stops, like, really abruptly. Like, have you ever seen um, Jurassic Park 3? Yes. Yeah. You know, like, how, how, like, all this shit is going on. And then just at the end, like, there's just a man on the beach who's like, are you Dr. Alan Grant? And he's like, yeah. And then the fucking military appears out of nowhere. And they're saved. <laughs> Like, the the ending was very like that, but I mean, obviously a lot better because the ending there was just like so abrupt, it was unreal. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I mean, I I know that I I use Harry Potter a lot, uh, but the the last the first half of the last uh, film, the Deathly Hallows Part One, where it ends and they're on the beach with yeah. Dobby and stuff. Um, and it's like, I guess, yeah, it feels like if, if JK Rowling had released that, that point of the film as the first half of that book on its own. Yeah. Um, where like, there's so much that has been set up in this half of the book or in peace talks that I feel we're only going to get paid off in battlegrounds. Um, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Battlegrounds isn't that far away. We're, we're what? Uh, two months, eight days, I think. Yeah. End of September, isn't it? That's. Yeah. Um. Do you have any any predictions without too many spoilers from Peace Talks? Um. Ah. Not without giving away any spoilers, I've realised. <laughs> Do you think we're going to get some character deaths in Battlegrounds? Um, I think so. I, I don't know. At first, I was thinking someone like Ebenezer might die, but I feel, I know. I got, 
I don't, ah. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I've got a bad feeling that Murphy's going to kick the bucket in some way. I think that Dresden possibly is going to get into a bad situation and Murphy is going to do something to become more part of the supernatural. That was my other... Like, my... What I was thinking was that she'd die, but then she would come back in some other weird supernatural way. Uh, not so dissimilar similar to that, I guess, but I don't know. With it being described as, like, as big as changes, I feel like it's it's got to be something like a, char- a major character death or a very big change. I just hope to God that they don't make her a sword of the cross. No, I feel I'd be very surprised if that happened at this point because I feel we would have got that already with uh, skin game maybe. Well, I, I just, I just, yeah, just feel like they, they've hammered and hammered in the idea that Murphy isn't going to be a knight of the cross. Yeah. Um. And I and I'd just be really, really annoyed if suddenly uh, Jim went back on it. It. I mean, it's the it's the path that fits the most because I don't really see Murph going vampire. No, I was thinking. Um. I know either becoming part of the Winter Court. Just for the sake yeah. of some, because I feel that would be like a really big shift. Or I don't know. I don't know how like the whole Valkyrie thing works within the Dresden universe, but I, I keep having having it in my head that she like, especially after training with like the uh, the Ajajaran. Yeah, and I feel that kind of suits Murphy a bit more. That would be. Murphy as a Valkyrie would be very, very cool. Yeah. Um, I like I like that a lot. I mean, that's kind um, of ridiculous, I guess. Hmm. Um, <laughs> we need I think, to do... I think we're also going to see some... Sorry? Um, I was just going to say, we really need to do like a Peace Talks episode because everything that I can think of saying right now just contain spoilers and I'm trying to think of a way to say it without saying those spoilers but it's not it's not working yeah I really want to I really want to discuss your theory about Thomas that we talked about um about what he's been trying to communicate to Dresden but Um, I don't really want to talk about that here I've got I've got another Another Thomas theory as well that I think you'll love. But I'll tell you after this because, again, I don't think I can say it about spoilers. Well, hopefully we'll get something out soon on that. Um, so, yeah, if you're if you're on the fence about reading Peace Talks or um, have read Peace Talks and want to see more of the discussion around it, uh, there's a couple of fantastic uh, reviews out there. Uh, Daniel Green does a great review. You'll probably recognize that, um, especially in the last episode uh, we did, that some of the points that I raised came from that uh, because I completely agree with, with the points he raised um, and tried to expand upon them with my own thoughts. Um, and then uh, Mike's book reviews um, has done a really good Dresden Files uh, piece talks 
um, review that goes right into spoilers. Uh, the Daniel Green review doesn't do spoilers until the last minute, and then there's like a minute of very, very quick and punchy spoiler yeah. thoughts, but they're not, they don't really get in deep, I would it's say. Worth, um, it's worth mentioning as well that Mike's book reviews has, or it did the other day, have uh, two reviews up for Peace Talks. One was spoiler-free and the other one was spoiler-filled. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then past that, uh, there's still loads of talks and stuff that Jim Butcher is doing as part of his virtual book tour, uh, discussions with Patrick Rothfuss and and others, uh, kind of his normal crew. We've talked about that before, so I'm not going to touch too much on that. Um, but definitely uh, the great thing about Dresden Files is it has such a lovely community. Um and definitely get involved. Uh, the Daniel Green and the Mike's Book Reviews, go watch them, go support them, go uh, like those reviews if you agree with what they say and comment and do all that stuff. Um, it's just great to see that that community is still thriving even after the absence of a book for five years. So um, I really like that. Uh, I really like to be part of that. Cool. Um, so I guess we'll kind of keep it to that so that we've got a bit more time to talk about the meat of full moon this episode. Um, Cause I think more peace talks talk is eventually going to hit spoiler town as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, going over to our Dresden files book club, um, we are picking up with chapters 10, 11 and 12, uh, but first, a summary of last time on The Dresden Files. Um, so last time, uh, we had um, kind of the investigation slash, like, arming up for the job section um, of the plot. Uh, Harry went to consult with Bob. Uh, he created a stealth potion. Uh, and a potion that was kind of a good night's sleep in a bottle, uh, like a pep uh, potion. Uh, and Bob tells Dresden about the four types of werewolves, the Hexen werewolves, the Loop Guru, humans turn into wolves by their own magic, and humans turn into wolves by someone else's, else's magic. Um, Dresden then goes to Murphy's office with a folder about werewolves. He runs into Agent Denton, who tries to mend fences and take the folder from Harry to Murphy, as she has internal affairs all up in her business. Uh, Harry allows it uh, and then heads downstairs where an FBI agent tells him to go investigate the street wolves. Harry goes to the street wolves. It goes terribly. Harry tries to ask them if they committed the murder and they run him out of the garage uh, that they work from, which is called the Full Moon Garage. Uh, Harry then soul gazes with the leader and realizes that the leader intends to kill Harry or he himself will be killed by his pack. And that is where we end chapter nine. Uh, and then Rob, do you want to take it from there on chapter 10? Yep. So we kick off with chapter 10, Returning to uh, Harry returns to his office, where he is greeted by none other than gentleman John Marcone. Marcone receives, Marcone receives, Harry receives a very generous offer from Marcone, which, I mean, I thought it was generous and I like the sound of it, and I would have taken it up in an instant. But um, <laughs> he's offered a job at um, Marcone's company for an incredible amount of money. Uh, I've if I remember right, it's a security job as well, and it's kind of um, 
uh, choose your own hours, generous salary, benefits package, etc., etc., which I think sounds incredible, especially when um, I think the the minimum hours required for the role was uh, five hours. So yeah, I personally think, Harry, but yeah, um, yeah, uh, Harry naturally turns it down because he's Harry. Um, they have a bit of back and forth about. You know, I'll never work for you because you're a scumbag, blah, 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 blah. And Marcone's just like, please, please, I'm a businessman. <laughs> um, yeah, the, it's the worth end... pointing out as well, in, in the contract, it mentions that uh, Harry will not be asked to perform any unlawful acts. Yeah, that is also uh, true. So it, it, it wasn't even like he wanted him to be a goon. Yeah. Um, and the end result of that is... Marcone giving Harry a valuable piece of information to look into Harley McFinn and the Northwest Passage Project. This rolls us through into Chapter 11, where Harry is consulting a demon whose name I cannot pronounce for the life of me. So, do you want to have a go? Sean Zagaroth? Yeah, that. I mean, we'll go with that. Um, I'll try and say that as well in a minute. Sean Zagaroff. There we go. Um, hey. <laughs> so Harry's consulting Sean Zagaroff, a demon, about the murders, and in exchange for information, Harry offers to give him his, you know, one of his middle names. Uh, we'll delve into this a bit more, I guess, but I, it's the whole, similar to the whole circles have power, there's, you know, names have power, etc., etc. There's a lot of demon could do with his full name. Um, so we find out more about Harley McFinn, who is a loop guru. Sadly, he's not called Lou Guru, which I think is an absolute cheat. Uh, we also find out or, more about uh, popular naughty star LaRue. Oh, LaRue. Bulletproof <laughs> song. Just thought I'd say that. <laughs> I was about to start singing it, but I won't. Um, I don't think we can afford the copyright. <laughs> yeah. Also, it means that however many viewers we have will just hear me sing that terribly and we will lose all those viewers listeners <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so we get more information on harley mcfinn and the northwest passage project which is an environmental project which i feel is kind of in the name a bit um john john oh, friggin heck i can't even say it john zagarov who and I should have remembered this earlier. Harry calls him Chauncey, or Chauncey, however you want to say it. Um, Chauncey then tries to tempt Harry with information about his parents, both his mother and father, uh, claiming to know his mother and, you know, her past life before he was born, etc., etc. Um, tries to goad Harry into giving him his, you know, remaining last name. Um, Harry is very tempted by this, but again, Harry being Harry, refuses to give his last name and banishes Chauncey, much to the demon's um, annoyance, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. Rolling into chapter 12, Harry gets a phone call from Murphy that there's been a Murphy, a Murphy, that there's been a Murphy, yeah, of course there has. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there's been a Murphy. 
at the at the house. Um, Murder gets a call from Murphy, or should I say, Harry gets a call from Murphy that there has been a murder at the house of McFinn. Save, save that nicely. <laughs> um, you got there in the end. That's what's important. Yeah, that's true. that's true. Um, yes, Harry rushes down to this very lo- nice, luxurious apartment on the Gold Coast and finds that Kim Delaney, who you might remember from Max Bar towards the start of the book, is dead. It seems that someone was trying to use a circle to contain McFinn, who as we previously mentioned, is a loop guru, so I guess it's trying to contain, the, you know, that on a full moon, etc., etc. Um, Kim was trying to make a new circle, but by the full moon, she had failed because Dresden wouldn't help her. Um, so I guess Dresden takes a lot of responsibility for that and acknowledges it. Um, Murphy picks up the uh, note from Dresden that he gave to Kim back in chapter one at Max Bar and decides that Dresden is involved with the murder and chooses to arrest him after giving him a swift punch to the face. Um, On arresting him, she confiscates all his magical items like a shield bracelet, blasting rod, you name it. And that kind of brings us up to speed this week. Yeah. Um, so there is a lot of ground to cover here. Uh, we've got three really, really good chapters um, with a lot of meat in it. Uh, I guess, first of all, how did you find it? I really enjoyed it, partly because it, it feels like last week, and I think the week before especially, have been quite slow. Like We were discussing it being a bit overwritten mm-hmm. in places, but I feel this kind of gets back on track. It's Again, it's fast-paced. It, we're getting down to the point, it feels like. Definitely agreed. Um, I think the the murder, particularly, um, yeah. of Kim Delaney is a, is a big like rise in tension. Uh, and you see that with both Harry and Merce's relationship going further uh, towards negative. Uh, and then um, the way that Harry is just throughout that whole scene, just beating himself up over Kim's death and how he could have done something um, if he just trusted her. Mm. Which um, I enjoyed particularly. I, mean, I, I say I enjoyed Kim's death. That's not how I mean it. But we, I remember when she popped up, and we started Full Moon. We mentioned not having really any memory of her being mentioned in this book. Um, yeah. And I guess, I mean, well, now we have our answer as to why. But I find it interesting that she's died. And I, I kind of hope that for the rest of this book, at least, there's kind of more, more, more consequences of that or more of uh, Dresden being a bit reflectful about that, because I feel it would set up a lot of the relationships going forward, especially with, um, you know, his apprentice later in the books. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we have called out who she is before, but yes, <laughs> probably. I I can't remember. We'll we'll play coy this time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and we don't the know. The mysterious apprentice. She or he. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I mean with with those later books as well and with him training her it, he has a bit of um not reluctance but reluctance to teach I, I guess teach her what she needs to know and it's more about sheltering and protecting her and I don't know if it's because it's also like a family friend kind of thing or if it's because of the whole mm. Kim fiasco as well but it kind of it brings a bit of a new context to that I like to think as well that there's, there's a bit of a reflection from Stormfront um, on uh, the Shadow Man um, that like Harry knows that magic is like he's he's felt the danger of magic very recently and yeah. is trying to shelter others from it. Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, but I guess yeah, this this really shows him that it's better for him to to teach and trust people to use that knowledge well, I guess. Um, so, jumping back to the start, Marcone and Dresden's relationship now. Uh, this is the first time we see Marcone after the events of Stormfront. Um, the, so, I, I want to talk a little bit about Marcone and Dresden, but the other thing I want to talk about is this contract that Dresden uh, refuses. I think that that was more of a pride thing that he refused to sign it than a... I think that you could still be a morally good person and sign that. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Um, it kind of goes back to either a conversation we had here last week or what we were saying about peace talks with every time Marcone comes up, it always feels like Harry's giving a bit, a bit too much of a grilling, I guess. Um, I mean, I know yeah. I, I, I completely forget about the whole soul gaze between them as well, which is brought up in this chapter. But I, I mean, I guess the soul gaze is why he's more sceptical about working with Marcone more than anything. But, I don't know, I, I think it's a good piece of development towards their relationship. I guess, it, yeah, it shows Marcone that Dresden is not going to be manipulated by him, even in the, the nicest forms of manipulation, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I, I like... Um, Dresden, at least from his perspective, gets gets a win out of this, um, mm. where Marco because Marco says that he'll only give his information about the case over to Dresden if Dresden signs the contract, and Dresden basically comes back with, "You're scared. I can tell you're scared. Your business partner died at the la at like the last uh, full moon. Another one of your associates died like last night. It only makes sense that." something is coming for you um you know that i'm the only person who can do stuff about it and you're still trying to manipulate me in this situation just tell me what you know and co cooperate and then i will work with the police and get this thing before it gets to you um and i think that that's really 
that really impressed me, I guess, that Dresden was able to join the uh, join the social dots and work out what Marcone's motive behind his actions was and then use that against him. I, I think that's think. some really good writing from Jim Butcher. Agreed. Fully agreed. Do you, would, I mean, <laughs> um, question. would you have taken the job? 100%. Cool, I'm glad. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, so Harry, one of Harry's biggest issues is that because he lives so much in the mortal world, he has to maintain his mortal existence with money and the resources that a mortal life requires. Um, Marcone's essentially offering to eliminate that worry for him so he can just focus on magic mm. uh, and and helping people and doing the, the, the right thing all the time without having to do side bits. Um, so I, I think I would... I think morally, I think it's actually a good thing, but my... My worry is is that once you're on Marcone's payroll, I suppose he can start to find other ways to manipulate you because you're closer yeah. to him. And I guess that's what Harry's concerned about too. But looking at some of the deals that Harry is kind of forced to make in later books, I bet there is there are times when he lies in bed at night now and he's like, God damn, if I'd just taken that deal. <laughs> That's probably why he's so angry towards him. Yeah. He's just like, oh, man, you offered me the job of a lifetime and I turn it down. Uh... Well, Mark <laughs> doesn't make the same mistake twice, apparently. Precisely. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's also Hendrix is back uh, in it and it, it's good to see him. Uh, there's just a, there's a tiny bit of character development where it shows that Hendrix, um, who is this big guy who is tough as nails, um, is scared of Dresden's blasting rod. Yeah, I really liked that attention to detail. Um, which I, that's very cool, and like, it's it's really interesting because um, in later books, as Hendrix begins to learn more and Marcone begins to learn more, he starts to get tough on the magical world and, and it doesn't phase him as much like reading about Hendrix in Peace Talks um, he is much cooler with magical world than he is right here yeah uh, which is really interesting um, fantastic so moving on to chapter 8 and uh, Chorn Zagaroth um Firstly, I had completely blanked out that demons in the traditional sense of coming from like a hell yeah. were in the Dresden Files. The only demons that I was really aware of was the Denarians. Yeah, it's it's an interesting because I, I did remember this scene from um, the graphic novel and stuff, but I, I, I thought it was in one of the stories that wasn't Stormfront or Full Moon, because uh, the Omnibus has quite a few like little short stories as well. 
and I, I originally mm-hmm. bought it on that. So yeah, I mean, given like you just say, Narians and visiting the underworld and skin game and stuff. I know, to me, it just felt a bit weird now. Yeah. Um, but I suppose, like, we've had we've had interactions with angels more recently. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about uh, about it. It's, it does seem a little bit strange, and it seems a bit strange to me that even though Dresden does say outright that, like, uh, yeah, uh, wizards do this sometimes and stuff, it's just weird to me that, that Dresden himself would summon a demon. Yeah, I mean, he has also mentioned at this point that he's run out of, um, like, resources. Like, Bob's unable to help him at this point because he's exhausted Bob for knowledge and yeah. stuff. So I guess it was more of a last... Like in in the time scale that he's working in as well, it was more of a last resort. Yeah, and I suppose at this point he doesn't have as many resources to draw upon as he does in later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cases. Um. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. It's. Uh, I I I find the way he's described very interesting. Um, it makes me think of a Skeksis from the Dark Tower. Uh, not Dark Tower. God, Dark Crystal. Yes, I can. I know exactly what you mean. As soon as you said it, I can picture it. Um, like the whole. <laughs> yeah, with, with the glasses and, as well. Yes, and the way that he like goes very civil at points, yeah. and then very like bestial. Um. That felt very, uh, very dark crystal to me. Um, what do you think Chauncey knows about Dresden's parents? Fuck all. Is my answer to really? that. Do you think? Do you think it was just a bluff? I mean. I can't remember if it was just before that or just after where Dresden points out, you know, the whole thing about um, if a demon has your full name, it has like complete control over you, etc., etc. But yeah, I know I, and you know, demon from hell is surely going to be lying at points. So I, I don't think it was outright lying. I, I would probably have gone with it does know something, but maybe not enough, not, not as much as it was letting on. Fair enough. Okay. I, uh, there were some really interesting lines that made me think, uh, knowing what we know now about Harry's wider family and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm just getting the quotes up. Uh, but essentially, the, there is a point where, uh, Chauncey says something on the lines of uh, you like uh, you might have other family out there um, and they they are like you alone and in pain mm. um, just almost there 
Uh, oh, wrong chapter. Is it chapter eleven? Uh, yes, chapter eleven. Yeah. Um, yeah, so essentially, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I am struggling to find uh, the quote I wanted to talk about. Uh, there is also some really good banter around. Uh, so MacFinn was cursed by, uh, well, his ancestor was cursed by Saint Patrick, um, <laughs> and cool. basically uh, Dresden says like, "Oh, that doesn't sound like something a Catholic would do," and uh, Charles is like, "You'd be surprised." And then Dresden's <laughs> like, "At the same time, it's a million times better than some of the stuff your side has done." And then Charles is like, "Well, at least we're honest about it." <laughs> <laughs> um, which th that just made me laugh but yeah uh, so uh, he says to you I can show them to you Harry Blackstone Dresden as they really are Chorn Zagaroth assured me his voice dulcet you've never seen your mother's face I can give that to you you've never heard her voice I can let you hear that as well you know nothing of what sort of people your parents were or if you have any other family out there family Harry Blackstone Dresden blood every bit as tormented and alone as you are. And reading that makes me think, because we now know that Dresden has family members, and especially at this point in the series, they are definitely as tormented and alone as he is. Yeah. Um, not going to too many spoilers later books, but that... that that gave me credence to some of the other stuff he tempts Dresden with, which makes me think um, that that there was there was some truth into it. So he he says that Dresden's parents uh, were killed um, and uh, didn't die in childbirth or car crash, as uh, Dresden has been told. Hmm. Um, oh, it wasn't car crash. Sorry, uh, his father perished in his sleep uh, of an aneurysm, and his mother died in childbirth. Uh, he believes, um, but he's told that uh, they died; they were killed. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, and then there's also uh, a line where he says that um, her uh, that his mother's coming to. Hell uh, was awaited with great anticipation, but the Dark Prince lost her in the end. Yeah. And I think we're meant to believe that this is his mother went to heaven. But I'm also interested if it was more a case that she found some way to avoid death or yeah. around death. So, I mean, there's <clears throat> given the Dresden universe at this point. I feel like there's so many possibilities that it could be. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you're completely right. Um, it's it's just a very interesting uh, section. I also do wonder, 
do you think that Jim Butcher would have written this scene with Chauncey in Full Moon now? If you understand what I mean, like... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to say yes, but... And I, I will say yes, but differently, but I'm not sure how differently. Fair enough. Um, I, I, that would, it's something that I'd be really interested to see his thoughts on. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think that, that pretty much covers everything we could talk about on that scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, moving on a little bit. Um, Murphy and Dresden's relationship at this point... Yes. What are your thoughts? My first thought, and I had to write it down because I I just found it really weird, was when they meet up. He 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 makes a comment in his head about how she has cute earlobes. Yes. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm the weird one here, but I've never looked at someone's earlobes and thought they were cute. So I I completely agree. Yeah, um, it's a very strange thing that Jim Butcher pulls out. Maybe it maybe it's something that he's into. Uh, I mean, it's one of those things where if I mean Carrie's not home at the moment, but I imagine when she gets back from work, I'll probably not stare at her earlobes, but I'll I'll give them like the second glance and be like, oh, they are cute, you know. <laughs> it's not it's not really a feature that. I really notice on someone. Yeah. So I just found I, it a bit odd. Mechanically, as a writer, I think Jim Butcher is trying to pull attention to the fact that Murphy has cut her hair, which I suppose mm. is a change in personality or something like that. Uh, and a good way to do that is to kind of tangentially pick out something that's now revealed because the hair is cut instead of just saying that Murphy's hair was cut. It's a bit of showing, not telling, but sometimes that works. And sometimes you're just looking at a woman's earlobes and things get weird. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) that was my initial uh, thoughts there, but their relationship on the original question, um, and I, I feel I feel it kind of takes it's taken a few steps forward at the start of this book, but I feel it's now backtracked because you know she's doing she's doing what really annoyed me in the first two books especially, which is just jumping to conclusions and arresting Harry. The the thing that annoys me about it here is that she even explains like like Dresden's like uh, so what do you think happened or something, something along those lines and Murphy's like oh, well it looks like the sorceress tried to contain the, the werewolf and then it got out and, and attacked her which is, is what happened yeah. um, and that to me if you thought that Dresden had a connection to the woman trying to contain the werewolf Surely then you're thinking that Dresden is connected to someone who's trying to stop the murders, 
not someone who is trying to aid the murders. Yeah, you'd think. And it makes me feel like this is more just Murphy getting a bit of revenge in, because she can, which feels very, very petty for Murphy, from how we know her in later books particularly. Yeah, I can I can roll with that, I guess. Um, I don't think she really sees Harry going down for this. Like, I, I don't feel like anything there would stand up in a court of law apart from, yeah, he draw he drew the symbols. Yeah, kind of thing. But in, in fact, he didn't draw the, draw the symbols. She drew them. It's just a note that he looked at in a bar. He could even just say, like, I've got no idea what this was. Yeah. Or something. It's... Um, it's, it's just... Yeah. It's very strange. Um, and just seems a bit out of character for Murph, really. Um, I was a bit disappointed, I guess, in her um, behaviour on that. Yeah. Um, but she is angry and um, I I do understand that from her perspective, Dresden is keeping her in the dark a lot, and that's kind of something that he's realizing. And I, I think I seem to remember it. It's kind of at the end of this book, maybe the next one, where Dresden starts to really open up. Yeah, I think it's on on the next one onwards. Or at least there's a, there's a point where he tells her what the White Council is, and I think that's soon. Yeah. But I can't remember where. Yeah, nor can I, so we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> um, it's, it's it's a very strange position we're in at the Paranet Podcast, because we've both read the series across multiple years, and I kind of have vague recollections of minute details, but a solid knowledge of like the big points and then like rereading these we're now getting the minute details um which makes for some it's very strange because i I, like i want to pull stuff out and talk about stuff in the future but i don't know the full details to the level that we know these um so just from a, a general book review point i guess like just take what we say with, like, um, especially if it's something that's in the future of the Dresden Files, with a little bit of a pinch of salt. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Oh, I just saw how Chauncey's drawn in the comic book. It's oh, very okay. strange. <laughs> Looks like... Um, did you ever see like, the Saturday morning cartoon Gargoyles? Yes, I remember that fondly. Looks like one of them to me. He's very, very uh, grey and angular, I guess. Um, I like that. I like that it's still got the glasses. Yeah, I love how it's still got the glasses. And and um, I think. Uh, Again, it does it does have a bit of a skexacy look, but it has less of a beak. Yeah, um, I suppose here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
I guess that really covers everything that we want to talk about here. Um, the, I guess uh, the kind of interesting point for Dresden is that um, someone was sabotaging this Luke Guru's werewolf circle. Um, and I really like how the, how the circle is described. It's got little like rivets coming out of it. So yeah. it, it's like a super circle, I guess. Um, and, and that kind of explains why an apprentice wouldn't be able to manage it. Um, and Dresden doesn't really comment if he could have managed it or not. Um, and I think that's also very interesting because maybe he would have tried to help Kim Delaney, but maybe he'd have died too. And maybe this is what he, this is the path he had to take. But I think that that is perhaps being very kind to Dresden at the same time. Mm. Is there anything else you wanted to, to pull out on these three chapters? Um, Not particularly. Like, like I say, though, compared to the last couple, they've just been very fast paced and it's, it actually feels like it's moving the plot along a bit more. In my in my head, and I know we've said this a few times, uh, this Dresden going to the police station and being arrested happens right at the end of the book. <laughs> like it's right before the finale, so I, I don't know what I've blanked on, but that, it's very strange. I feel that's part of the excitement there because both of this and Stormfront, a lot of the stuff that's happened already happened a lot earlier on in the book or a lot later. So I'm now wondering what the shit they're going to do for like the rest of the book. <laughs> I I vaguely have... So, like, Dresden being in the police station, the, the, the stuff that happens at the police station, which I won't spoil, um, then an encounter with the Street Wolves, something with the Alphas... And then the big finale, which I remember the finale. I think the Luke Guru rocks up at the uh, police station, or at least something rocks up at the police station. Yeah, I yeah, I was trying to avoid uh, spoiling it. Well, fair enough. I was running through shit that I remember. I, I do remember that being a particular highlight, though. Yeah. Um. Oh, because then we meet. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember bits now, but I won't say any more because I've ruined that. So I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it, man. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, there's a lot to there's a lot to come, and uh, it's fun revisiting this because it's like I don't know uh, watching a film that I watched five years ago that stars like all my favorite actors. Um, cool so is there anything else that we want to cover I think that's about it really yeah I feel that's pretty much it for this week I'd say so we're going to try and get uh, a a discussion in around peace talks um, as soon as possible Um, hopefully this week Um, and then We'll just be continuing with our, our regular stuff uh, until um, Battlegrounds comes out, and then um, I'm sure we'll do something similar around there. Um, awesome. Yeah, Rob, do you want to take us out? 
always. Um, yeah, as usual, review us on iTunes, download us on Spotify. Um, thank you to everyone that's listened already. We've, we're getting a lot of downloads and stuff. Um, also, we're I on really to- can't believe it. I yeah. <laughs> did not think this many people would be that interested in the Dresden Files, and it's fantastic. I, I thought our only listeners would be our parents, and that would have stopped yes. like, after like maybe two episodes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, we're on uh, Twitter and Instagram, you know, uh, at the Paranet Podcast. So get in touch on there. Join in some uh, debates, I guess. I mostly post shit, so you can always retweet that or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, next week we'll be covering chapters 13, 14, and 15. Uh, crack open a can of Coke. You've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with Rob Davis and Patrick Learn. And we will see you next week. Thank you very much and uh, bye. Bye.